how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi C. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. Busy weekend coming up. Uh, it starts today. First the show, then the next show. Then I have a bar mitzvah tonight. Then I have a 6 o'clock flight out tomorrow morning. Then eventually I'll run into my sister in Queens. We will head towards Muncie. I have a nephew's bar mitzvah. Um, then Sunday morning I have a flight back at 6 o'clock in the morning. Then there's some things happening in town. And then I have a wedding. So, you know, thank God. Lots of fun, exciting things taking place over the next few days. But once we're talking about bar mitzvahs and weddings and family... So I just saw the following story. So Yossi is at a wedding. And if you have been by a wedding, so there are table seating. There's no table seating. There's table numbers. There's no table numbers. And he sees a table. There's three guys on the table. Two guys are schmoozing. One guy is sitting by himself. And Yossi is friends with those two guys. And they are having a really, looks like they're having an interesting conversation. So Yossi parks himself next to the, his two friends, and for the next half an hour, they are just having a good old conversation, reminiscing, talking. Um, after a while, he gets up, and an acquaintance comes over to him. And he says, you know, I, I watched you guys the whole time. Two, guy, two friends, one lonely guy, you come to the table, and where do you choose to sit? You sit at the, with your two friends, and the lonely guy stays lonely. How could you do that? You were going to sit down. You had a choice where to sit, and you left somebody alone? How could you do that? So Yossi says, you know, you're right. You're right. And from then on, Yossi made it a point that whenever he sat down at an event, at a wedding, at a bar mitzvah, at a family affair, if he saw somebody sitting alone, that's where he sat down. And he said, you know what? It was great. Meet new people, bring people into a conversation, probably find a different uh, point of view. Years later, he ran into that acquaintance who told him in the first place that, uh, that he wasn't being friendly. And he thanked him. He said, I want you to know that from that time you spoke to me, I've always been careful. I became inclusive. I talk to people. I'm friendly with people. I move out of my comfort zone. I become a better person because of it. And I want to thank you. And that's something I think it's important. High holidays are coming. Um, we're always looking for, you know, uh, extra good deeds to add to our account. 
And uh, we just don't think. We, it's almost like automatic. Where will I fit comfortably? I know myself all the time. You look around. Where am I comfortable sitting? Do I want to sit next to that guy? Do I not want to sit next to that guy? Is that the right place to sit? I don't know. I got to think about it. Sometimes we got to move out of our comfort zone. And it probably starts when we're children. Um, this week in my class, I actually had four students that had what we call a chasen Torah. It was a party for a school program that, you know, takes some children a couple of years. It's extra reading. They have to accomplish a certain amount. So we make a party. So the boys dance. The first day, the first, and it was like so early in my, in the season of school, I barely had a chance to know these children. And all of a sudden I see that some boys holding hands won't hold other boys' hands. They won't let somebody break in. They won't uh, stand next to somebody. So, uh, of course, I pulled out my trusty puppet, Bob, in case you're curious what his name is. And we had a conversation about it, and the next three parties were great. The next three, they danced, they were friendly. But, you know, we all have our comfort zone. We all have our comfort level, who I'm comfortable with, who I like to sit next to, who I want to be friendly with. And we forget. First of all, it's good for us to be friendly with lots of people. It's always good to meet new people. It's a great thing. It's always good to go out of our comfort level. It's a great thing. It's hard, but always, always worthwhile. And, uh, and, and, and just imagine what it does to the guy who's lonely. Guy comes, doesn't know anybody. Um, I know it's going even more off topic. Um, a couple weeks ago, um, praying, finished prayers, and I see a guy walking down the aisle dressed in Hasidic garb, and I'm looking at him, and I nod to him, shakes at his hands, how are you? He says to me, I don't know anybody in this town. Now, he was from the town. Um, he probably left the town 40 or 50 years ago, so there's really nobody around that would remember him. But his children wanted to see his old stomping grounds. He brought his kids out like between camp and school. And here I am, a friendly face. And I told him whose house I live in, the house I bought. And, of course, that name was a recognizable name from 50, 60 years ago. And we talked about his father's uh, synagogue. And we had a nice conversation. I don't know him. I'll probably never see him again. But come on. Smile. Be friendly. Go out of your comfort zone. The guy is lonely. He actually said to me he doesn't know anybody in town. It's not a, it's not a good feeling to not say hello to anybody. It's a good feeling when you can talk to anyone. So there you have it. Go to a wedding, go to a bar mitzvah, go to an event, sit next to somebody you don't know. Schmooze for a few minutes. If it doesn't go, I give you permission to get up and try the next table. You have my permission. But you can't try. I mean, like, what's the big deal? And therefore, I will behave when I go. I'm actually pretty good with my family. I actually like to bounce around to the people that no one's talking to. I, I like to get around. But in any case, with that, of course, we always mention at the beginning of the show to all my dedicated listeners. I know you love the show, and you guys know I need your help. We need the show to spread. Uh, we need to take care of the expenses in the studio. So please do me a favor. Go to my homepage. Hit that donate button, leave your name, I'll give you a shout out, happy birthday, all in advance. I am telling you, thank you very much. And just go to my homepage and hit those donate buttons. It is really, truly appreciated.
So almost a continuation of last week. Lots of commands, lots of mitzvahs happening in all these Torah portions. Um, Bikurim is uh, the first fruit is where this Torah portion starts. I'm actually going to go past that. Maybe we'll get back to it later because he gets so wrapped up in the first part of the Torah portion, you forget what happens next. A very interesting command. Let's give us some background information. Every year, the farmer has certain taxes that he has to give. We can call it a mitzvah, you can call it charity, but at the end of the day, it's a tax. And that is, the Kohen has to get 2%, the Levite will get 10%. Um, it's on a, it's a three-year cycle doubled, and then you're off for the sabbatical year for Shemitah. For in the third year in the cycle, instead of the first two years, the 10% is brought up to Jerusalem. That's called Maeser Shani. Um, in the third year in the cycle, it's given to poor people. And then again, the cycle repeats. After three years, so again, depending where you lived, some farmers are in an area where the coin can get there, the poor person can get there, the Levite can get there. Otherwise, it's possible that the farmer has a silo full of this truma and miser and stuff and charity. He might have a silo full of this stuff. He might have 10 silos full of this stuff. So the Torah wants to make sure that you clear everything out. You cannot hold on to stuff forever. So after three years, after you're three years into the cycle, then you get to Passover. So there is a command called Vidui Meiser. Vidui Meiser means you have to proclaim that you have done everything proper with your with this tax, and make a proclamation. Obviously, if you didn't get rid of the stuff, you can't make the proclamation. I got rid of the stuff. I gave it to the Kohen. I gave it to the Levite. I gave it to the poor. I brought it up to Jerusalem. I treated it properly. I made sure it stayed pure. All the things I was responsible to do, I was very, very careful to do it right. Now, this concept, in in Hebrew, we have a, a and it's timely because this is the high holiday season, it's called Cheshven Hanefesh. In other words, I, I have to talk to myself and say, did I do everything I was supposed to do? And I don't get to just go through life like a bulldozer and getting all my stuff done, maybe. And we all have our phones and we all have our computers and, and we all have uh, whoever else, whatever else keeps us busy. And, and, and we never stop to think. A little bit of a follow-up of the story that I started you with when the show started. Right? Do you ever take those five minutes, ten minutes? You know, people don't like to be alone with themselves. I mean, I'm no different, right? What's in my bathroom? A stack of books, right? So because I'm in the bathroom, and, and I wouldn't want to have any time where my brain is working without uh, being entertained, right? So this concept of making an accounting, right? So the Torah is telling me to do it with my, with my charity, with my tithes, with my trumo, with my miser. I have to go ahead and I have to make a real accounting. But you know what? My whole life I need to make a real accounting. Like, why are we afraid to go ahead and take a walk? No, I must have my earphones in. I must 
you'll be listening to a podcast. Now, if you're listening to my podcast, that's fine. But otherwise, um, why can't we take a few minutes and say, where, where am I? Who am I? What is with my life? What am I doing with my life? Do I need to make changes? Are things going the way I want them to go? Am I afraid to, to talk to myself without people watching? You talk to yourself, people are watching, then you're a crazy man. But am I afraid to talk to myself? Masil Zisharim, right, the, um, the path of the, of the righteous, he talks about, the Ramchal talks about this a lot, that, that the evil inclination wants us to be so busy we never stop to think, right? That famous phrase, stop and smell the roses, right? Take a walk and just talk to yourself. Am I happy? Where am I in life? Is this what I want my life to be? Is this what I want my marriage to be? What corrections should I make? Am I the right kind of husband or the right kind of wife? Am I the right kind of father? I do it myself sometimes. I have to sit and say, take a step back and say, am I happy the way I'm studying with my children, am I too overbearing? Am I being nice? Am I too strict? I look at my class. Um, I have a child in my class this year that's an orphan. So therefore, I have to talk to him differently. It's it sort of, t- now I'm, a, I, I'm pretty tight in my class. and I, was, uh, I don't let people uh, you know, step out of line. But this child has to be given more rope. Well, once he gets more rope, everybody gets more rope. Is the class running fine? Maybe sometimes out of control, but maybe it's more relaxed. Maybe it's good for children. Right? We, everything we do, how am I serving God? Am I praying the way I want to be praying? Am I showing up the way I want to be showing up? Am I studying what I want to be showing? Do I like how I'm giving charity? Do I have the right attitude when I give charity? Okay, we could have a long, long list describing, discussing, do I believe I'm doing the right things? Now, you could go through some things in your life and say, yeah, you know, I got this one. Okay, can you improve? Can I talk to myself? Can I be better? Maybe I can't. Maybe I could, right? All these things are really, really important, right? You know, I I wrote myself a note here, the word probably, right? There's that great uh, commercial about probably with the guy who drinks too much. Probably I could uh, drive safely, right? Probably is a terrible word, probably, right? So am am, am I the... Husband I want? Probably. I don't know. That's not such a good word, right? Am I a good father? Probably. I don't know. Is that the word I want to use to describe myself? Right? Am I a good employee? Am I a good boss? Um, Whatever you want to add it to, if the word after this probably, then you need some more time to think. Let's not be afraid to take some time and think, am I going in the right direction? Again, in Hebrew, we call it chesed nefesh. But it's, it's really coming from this concept that the Torah says that you have to make a verbal statement out loud, which we're going to talk about, but I have to make an out loud statement, I did what I was supposed to do. Try that one. Can you go ahead out loud and tell somebody, even if it's yourself, that, you know, A, B, C, I did what I was supposed to do, straight, no problem, that's amazing. Now, this is not so difficult to say I gave my tithes properly and I get rid of them and it's all given out and the storage house is empty and, right? Can I do it? We'll leave that as an open-ended question. But then what happens is, right? Then what happens is um, I now go ahead 
and say to God that, okay, God, I want you to reward me. Right? I did what I was supposed to do. I gave my tithing properly. I gave my charity properly. God, I want you to give me a reward. Reward me. I deserve it. Now, it's fascinating. The Torah uses a very interesting word. When we tell God to reward us, we use the word hashkifa. Hashkifa is from the word to look, to gaze. God, gaze down from heaven and look at me and see that I did what I was supposed to do. Now you, God, pay me back. The difficulty with this word hashkifa is the word hashkifa is used in other places in the Torah is a very destructive word. It says God gazed down at Sodom and Amorah, Sodom and Gomorrah, and destroyed them. So this word is used in the Torah, and it just went. It's it's saying God is gazing and then being destructive. So why am I using that word over here when I want a reward? It's a dangerous word. Just say God, you know, uh, I don't know, look at me or reward me or something. What am I using such a powerful word for? Why is the Torah using this powerful word? So Ben says. That is the power of charity. When I am giving my stuff away, the Kohen, the Levite, the poor person, bring it up to Jerusalem, I'll probably have so much. I'm going to obviously make uh, parties to feed people because I have all this uh, produce that there's no way I can eat myself. Right. So when I am giving charity properly, when I am giving my charity properly, even a destructive word turns into a beautiful, beneficial, powerful gift from God. That's amazing. So we use this amazing, powerful word to show us, as the Torah is using this word to show us, that charity is so powerful that it has the power to change even a destructive word into a beneficial, giving word for us. Now, we're around the holiday season, right? We always talk about it that that charity is powerful. In our prayers, we say it's the prayer and it's the uh, and it's the um, it's tefillah, it's prayer and repentance and charity. Those three things, right? Tefillah, chuvat, staka, right? Prayer, repentance, and charity will remove any ma'avirnas zero will remove any powerful decree against me will be removed. So again, that's. It's the same concept, right? I'm using this power of charity to go ahead and protect myself. And God wants me to. So charity is very, very powerful. Um, It's in the high holiday prayers. And it's certainly a reason why um, this is a real charity season. When we get close to the high holidays, um, it's almost um, inbred with everybody. Everybody understands that they want to give charity during the holiday season for good reason. Because I'm going to get judged in front of God. I want to make sure that I get a good judgment. And having all this charity that I gave, and when I say all this charity, obviously every person is different, right? But on everyone's individual level, did I give the way I'm capable of giving? Then I have a right to say to God, God, I want you to take care of me. I want you to help me out. So that's one very interesting command in this week's Torah portion. Another interesting command, and actually 
this is almost like practice for me. Sounds funny for a rabbi with practice. But uh, my brother asked me to speak by the bar mitzvah on Shabbos. So I was looking around, and I found something very beautiful. Now, at least the details I'll practice here. If we get to the point, you know, you're not a bar mitzvah boy, so I don't know if I'm going to give you over the lesson. But at least let's, let's talk about it. There is a command in this week's Torah portion that was a, a one-time mitzvah that does not exist anymore. There's not so many of those in the Torah. Most of the commands in the Torah are commands um, forever. Right? Once we got the Torah, these are the mitzvahs, the commands that God wants us to do. But there are some commands in the Torah that are for a short period of time. For example, the Jewish people built the tabernacle. They built the mishkan in the desert. So the Jewish people built the tabernacle in the desert. There's no command today to go into the desert and build a tabernacle. Make the curtains and the walls and the ark and the table for the showbread and the menorah. Those mitzvahs don't apply anymore, right? That's gone, right? Obviously, you know, circumcision, Sabbath, holidays, fasting on Yom Kippur, um, stuff like that. Those are forever mitzvahs, right? Not, eat, not eating bread on Passover, sitting in a hut on Sukkot, right? Most of the commands are always, but some only have a short period of time. One of them in this week's Torah portion is a one-time deal. What is it? That is that the Jewish people were commanded when they enter the land of Israel, when Joshua will bring the Jewish people into the land of Israel, they're going to march to two mountains. One mountain was called Har. Now, Har means mountain. So Har Grizim, right? The mountain of Grizim. And one mountain is called Har Evel. Six tribes will stand on Har Grizim. Six tribes will stand on Har Evel. The priests, the Kohanim, and the older Levites. Because when you look at the 12, there's no tribe for Menashe and Ephraim. It's just Yosef. Just Joseph. He is that double tribe, but he counts as one because most of the Levite tribe will be also on the mountain, while, uh, while the older Levites and the Kohanim will be in the middle and the Ark will be in the middle, and they'll all face, the, everybody in the middle, will first face Hagrizim, where again there's six tribes, and they will say a blessing, right? Blessed whoever keeps the whole Torah. And everybody on both mountains will answer, Amen. Then they're going to face Harevel. Harevel, also six tribes, and they'll say, whoever doesn't keep the Torah, cursed. Or cursed is the one who doesn't keep the Torah. Um, blessed is the one that doesn't hit his friend in, in, in secret, which is referring to slander. Cursed is the one who does hit his friend in secret. And everybody's answering Amem. So they're facing one mountain to say the blessing. Then they face the opposite mountain to say the curse. That mitzvah was a one time. It only happened once in history. As far as I know, it's not supposed to happen again. It was a one-time deal, which is fascinating, right? That's, Torah takes all these verses to tell us about something which is important, and we won't have time for it to see why, but, but we have this command where one time we're going into the land of Israel, we are, like, re-accepting the Torah, and, but that mitzvah is never to be repeated, um, now it's interesting, the tribes are split up. Hagrizim gets the children of Leah and the children of Rachel. The only problem is that should be a total of eight, 
So two of those children will have to make it to the other mountain. One of them will be Ruvain. Ah, oh, and already the music is playing. I tried really hard, but at least I got through part of it. The music's playing. Hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all the wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Don't forget to hit that donate button. Thank you to the production team. We have David in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.